You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, the 10th of May. It's the first day of Chester's May Festival, which means it must be raining in the northwest. Indeed, I think they've just had their first shower. It's quite bright here in TW11, and I enjoyed my first ever visit to Fakenham Racecourse yesterday. Certainly a contrast from Churchill Downs on Saturday. Speaking of which, more of that later in the show, and I'm afraid it's not good news either. Uh, but Jane Mangan is with me today, and we'll start with the Irish media rights deal. Irish racecourses are no longer unified, Jane. What has happened here? Well, following the EGM, the Extraordinary General Meeting of the AIR and, of course, all the representatives from the racetracks, the deal needed to be signed. The 2024 to 2028 deal needed to be signed. And this was the cutoff point, essentially. It's been dragging on for what seems like an eternity. And unlike all the previous deals that in my lifetime I've been privy to, there was not uniform. There was five breakaway tracks. As expected, UIR, the United Irish Racecourses, voted against the deal. So they have not signed on to the RMG SIS deal, which means Kilbegan, Limerick, Roscommon, Sligo and Thurlis remain without a media rights deal for next year. They're going out on their own, which means 56 fixtures out of approximately 400 are not a part of the current deal. So that makes up around 15%. And uh, their future remains a little bit uncertain. Now, there's been obviously a lot of coverage on this. We've had uh, both sides throughout this whole process expressing their concerns and, uh, I suppose, pleading their case. But I will be honest, I was expecting white smoke from HRI yesterday and it came out a little bit grey. It did. And in a moment, you'll be hearing from the man who is at the head of Horse Racing Ireland's Media Rights Committee, Punchestown CEO Conor O'Neill. But first of all, this was the reaction uh, of the Chief Executive of the Association of Irish Racecourses, Paul Henzey. Yeah, so the, the 21 tracks ha ha have all um, given AIR authorization to, to sign um, the proposed deal from 2024 to 2028 um, on their behalf. So the fixtures from from all of those tracks will continue to be shown until 2028 on uh, SIS and, and, and um, Racing TV. So what happens to the, the fixtures on the other five tracks? Um, in total there are I think approximately 56 or 57 uh, fixtures on the, the five tracks that, that didn't sign. Um, at the moment they don't have a deal in place um, and what they have to do now um, under the legislation is they have to go back to the Meteorites Committee of Horse Racing Ireland and ask the Meteorites Committee to um, negotiate an alternative deal on their behalf. And that could be with anybody, could it? So it, 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 it's, the, the assumption is that, that if you're not on uh, racing TV, you're naturally on, on Sky Sports Racing. It, 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 they could negotiate with anybody. Uh, they could negotiate with anybody. Um, but... You know, as you say, the, the, the more likely scenario is, is that the, the, the pictures would end up on um, on Sky Sports Racing. But that's um, look, that's 
um, me surmising, you know, what has to happen, the process is that the, the tracks that have rejected the deal that was on the table yesterday now must revert to the um, to the Media Rights Committee of Horse Racing Ireland and ask the Media Rights Committee to negotiate an alternative deal on their behalf. So that's the process, uh, you know, as we stand, there, there's probably nothing... Um, there's nothing finalised on a deal for those other tracks. You know, I would, I would hope that they, they do secure a good deal. Um, you know, it's very important for, for racetracks to have a, have a proper meteorites deal in place. So, you know, I, I hope it does work out and, and that they, they, they can secure a, a good alternative deal. Um, I realise that you can't be partisan and you have to look after the interests of these five racecourses as much as you have to look up after the interests of the other of the other 21 but to what extent is this is this damaging for Irish racing that there isn't unanimity that there isn't uniformity that there isn't um, there isn't concord amongst your amongst your members I think you know I, I've always said it would have been preferable to, to get all 26 tracks signed up to to one deal I think there, there's there is strength in numbers Nick and uh, I think when you know when, when we become divided like that. Obviously, I, I think you know across the board uh, as a as a, as a unit we're probably weaker. So um, you know it would have been preferable to get everybody to sign up to to the deal. But you know as I say, um, you know the, the, these tracks feel that they, they um, that how the money was was being dispersed was probably not favourable to, to to some of the smaller tracks and. and um, they, they they feel that they can perhaps get a better deal elsewhere. And have they got a case? Yeah, look, they're they're you know they they, they make um, they make good points. Um, you know, but 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 what I would say is you know having seen having seen the the deals that that came in at the close of tender you know through this process and it was a very robust um, tender process. Um, you know, I, I would certainly have thought that the the, the best deal at that time was um, was the SIS RMG deal. That was Paul Henzey there, the chief executive of the Association of Irish Racecourses. Now, he talked there quite a bit about the Media Rights Committee of Horse Racing Ireland. That is headed up by Conor O'Neill, who's also the chief executive of Punchestown Racecourse, one of the larger concerns in Irish racing. And I asked Conor for his reaction to this uh, group of five breakaway racecourses. Um, that was a decision that was taken by each of the individual racecourses and the respective boards. And you know, I suppose you have to respect their decision. That if that's if that's the opinion of what they think is is the best thing to do for their racecourse, look, you have to respect that. But um, but certainly, I I am um, certainly I believe. I believe one of the the, the, the key benefits um, to media rights in Ireland for many years and to date has been our ability to sell them all collectively. And look, on the, those tracks have decided that, um, they, they, that 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 is not the case, or that they don't see the advantage of that, and, and, and that's a decision they make. Does that mean because they've broken away? Does that mean the remaining twenty-one of the tracks end up getting less money themselves because? You are you are weaker than you would be as a whole. No, that's certainly not the case. And it's actually funnily enough, I don't envisage that any of the twenty-one race courses will be net 
negatively impacted financially. I actually think that their, their, their situation might improve due to the distribution model that we put in place. Obviously, the two objectives that we tried to do um, across 26 race courses, regardless of scale, regardless of geographical location, regardless of code, national hunt or flat, um, was to, one, obtain the very best deal in the marketplace for Irish racing and indeed Irish race courses. I'm very confident. I'm very satisfied we did that. Um, obviously, the 21 race courses, it's all subject to the approval of the Board of Horse Racing Ireland, which is due to take place on Friday. The other objective was to distribute the overall income in a fair, equitable and transparent manner. And I absolutely, I absolutely am 100% satisfied that that has been the case and that we're doing that. Um, and, and, and as part of that, there was various, um, there was various measures put in place to, to make the scenario, um, work for every single race course right across the board um, and, and, and as a result of some of the race courses not signing up to that 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 actually means that provisions in place will will actually obviously come out and i actually envisage the financial scenario for for race courses within it to improve as a result and of course there will be many who will say the irish racing in the main is still behind a paywall how does that benefit irish viewers as a whole well, 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 certainly. O- o- overall, I think the production um, of Irish racing is at a very high class product which we offer. We obviously mm-hmm. have presenters at every one of our every one of our fixtures. We've over well, of the three hundred ninety fixtures currently throughout Ireland. There's obviously racing TV presenters at them. I think the production and the quality of of the product on offer um, is certainly come on leaps and bounds in recent years and it's a, it's a very high quality product i also believe um you know money going into the industry that, that 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 the media rights deal both for race courses to improve facilities to improve the offering throughout the country and indeed um and and, and indeed racing as a as an industry the more the more financial benefit you can give to that absolutely um absolutely uh, you have to do that Connor O'Neill there, and before him, Paul Hensey. Jane Mangan listening uh, to both of those senior Irish racing administrators. Clearly, it's a suboptimal situation, Jane. Connor O'Neill trying to put a brave face on it. Paul Hensey trying to see both sides, really, of the argument. What are the breakaway courses going to get out of this, do you think? What can they realistically expect? Can they expect a, a better deal? And is it is it a given that they will be shown free to air on on Sky Sports Racing? So that's the, the big thing. Pre this deal, there was reportedly an unsolicited offer of a hundred grand per fixture from Arc. Um, but now, in, uh, uh, in just, just, of, just 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 for clarity, Arc being the being the driving force behind what what appears on on Sky Sports Racing from a, from a viewer's point of view, from a customer point of view. Correct. Back on on Sky Sports Racing, which is obviously previously at the races, which had the rights before RMG won uh, the last deal. But now you cannot, uh, in my own mind, you've got the main competitor out of the market. So all of a sudden, I think the landscape of competitiveness and positioning changes for the, the breakaway uh, UIR tracks. Uh, are they in the same negotiating position as they were before this deal? No. Um, 
the basically it's a, it's a breakdown in trust between the UIR tracks and HRI. That's what Paddy Dunnigan, the the secretary of UR, UIR and of course manager for for Kilbegan Racecourse, has been saying all along. And everybody was hoping, everybody over over here was hoping that some kind of a resolution would be met. But they have an issue with how the media rights income is distributed by HRI. They believe that the the bigger tracks are getting. Um, basically too much and they believe the HRI is taking too much. Now before this a uh, couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago there was rumours that Dundalk might be lost as well. There was rumours that it would be sold perhaps even to ARC. There was a lot of talk over here as regarding it could have been even up to a reputed 40 million euros worth um, for 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 Dundalk to be sold to, to ARC. That hasn't materialised and Dundalk is amongst uh, the tracks, the 21 tracks that did sign on to this deal. Very important that is because, of course, Dundalk makes up 10% of the entire fixture list here in Ireland. Um, but yeah, with six months to go to 2024, it this need this deal needed to be signed. It is apparent that the seven uh, the 47 million euros of the this is basically the value of the deal, 47 million euros hasn't changed. So listening to Connor O'Neill, I'm not surprised that maybe even the value for the 21 tracks that did sign on may well be enhanced. And uh, I suppose this is all up for approval on Friday. So that's when we really need to get confirmation that HRI sign off on this deal. But there's a, there's a number of questions people at home might be thinking, is this a good thing? Could this be a, a good thing that we have competition between uh, Irish racing that we're all uh, not just in, in one uniform in, in the case that if uh, the five United Irish tracks get a, get a deal, could could they up the competitiveness of the output. Um, I know reading Mark Costello's piece yesterday uh, from the Irish field that the uh, UIR tracks, uh, obviously Paddy Dunnigan again, has written to the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McClonaghogue, um, requesting his intervention, uh, also requesting that the Minister review the legislation which requires that all race courses uh, must have the sale of their media rights negotiated by HRI and by the Media Rights um, Committee. Uh, and I suppose that goes back if they don't trust HRI, that they don't want them bartering on their behalf. But again, this is all uh, very fresh, came out yesterday, and um, there's a lot to be digested. But ultimately, 21 tracks will be on Racing TV, five won't. And the likelihood is that those five will be on on Sky Sports Racing, but at, at what benefit to to those five tracks? It would be very interesting to see whether they they yield the financial return that they want, and whether that figure initially banded around of a hundred thousand euros a a fixture is indeed realised now that that competitive tension seems to have slackened somewhat. You would imagine that those five breakaway tracks, Jane, have have garnered an assurance of sorts from a from a third party. That, that they were going to be well remunerated. Otherwise, they surely wouldn't have done this. Yes, that's in my mind as well. It would be very unwise uh, to not hedge your bets before taking yourself out of the running for what is uh, a lucrative deal. So I'd imagine we're expecting news from them in the not too distant future, given that it is now a race against time. They must now go back to HRI's Media Rights Committee and ask them to uh, negotiate another deal on their behalf. But the fact I'm just reading between the lines, this is just my thought process. The fact that they've written to the minister asking for an intervention, asking for help, asking for a review, that doesn't scream confidence to me. 
Okay, from Ireland and to France, and a slight change to the entry conditions for the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe. With more, here's the France Gallo Chief Executive, Olivier Delois. Olivier, what are you doing? Well, we decided to, uh, to extend the maximum number of runners to, uh, from 20 to, to 24. Uh, and is that just to, to try and, and avoid that, that situation where you, you had horses balloted out and you, you just widen it as, as much as possible? Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I think, I mean, that was obviously a very frustrating uh, situation for all parties involved, including um, including us at France Gallo. Uh, at that time, we decided just to apply the rule, which is always uh, uh, probably the best option to uh, to take. But still, it led us to um, to rethink about it. And due to, I mean, the profile of the track and, and the fact that there is absolutely no safety issue having uh, uh, 24 runners uh, in, a, in a race like the Arc, uh, we, we decided to, um, to make this uh, amendment. It, it's quite against the grain by, by modern standards, isn't it? So actually increasing a field size limit rather than decreasing it. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's more a way to, to, to give us some flexibility when such uh, situations occur. Uh, but the past uh, shows that uh, in, it's quite rare to have uh, more than 20 runners in the arc anyway. So it could maybe not happen in the next 10 years uh, uh, or, or maybe happen this year. We, we, we never know. But uh, statistically, uh, more than often, we, we, we have fewer than 20 horses anyway. That was Olivier Delois. This is Jane Mangan. Jane, so you can run 24 horses in the arc now, as I said to Olivier, bucking the, bucking the trend and, and expanding the field size after last year. What do you think of that? Yeah, most unusual. We usually uh, cut, cut and cut a little bit more. But this, uh, I think, is a step in the right direction. It's good track. It's a big galloping track. We saw consternation last year when very elegant. The mayor that came from Australia couldn't couldn't get a run. Uh, it's usually run on slow ground that spaces out the field and uh, I see no reason why it wouldn't. The last couple of runnings, I think the Sutsas running, there was only 11 runners. Uh, 2021 20, when Tasso won, he uh, uh, beat 13 rivals, 14 runners. So it's probably unlikely that we're going to have a maximum field of 24, but it was a shame last year when such good horses couldn't get a run. Did you happen to cast your eye on the 2.33 from Shanti yesterday? You don't have to say yes if you didn't. I will be honest, I didn't, but I read about it this morning. And is it a blue rock? Big rock. Big, Big rock. rock. You're going to hear a lot more about this horse. Big rock's trained by Christopher Head, fifth generation trainer. Aurélien Lemaitre rode the horse by Rock of Gibraltar. Good to see him having a, a, a final fling as a stallion. He absolutely bolted up this horse in the Prix de Guiche, Group 3, and surely, surely is going to be a, a very warm order now in the Prix de Jockey Club. And I was looking at a rock of Gibraltar, heavy ground, getting this trip. But of course, it is the uh, Hurricane Lane, Hazariah, Harzan family. So maybe the stamina is coming from the dam side. And it, in the same colours as Blue Sun Rose. This is a huge weekend building for um, for... Well, this was a huge season for Christopher Head because he's got uh, two classic contenders and, and this guy looks one of the best in France. Right. By the time you listen to this, you might know the results from Chester today, uh, Wednesday. Uh, there'll be some long faces if the John and Thady Gosling trained arrest doesn't win the Chester Vars, I should think, Jane. 
Yeah, this looks like a, an ideal stepping stone for him. If he is to be a classic contender, it doesn't look the deepest of affairs. He's odds on. Um, look, he was only just worried out of it in the Criterion Design Clue by Dubai Mile. He had uh, some smart form before that. He looks, you know, he looks like he's a very exciting prospect and it's a small field, so it shouldn't get too tactical. I'd say the Cheshire Oaks is one that will be a little bit more tactical given half the field seem to have made the pace in their last run. So that's what I love about Chester. You can win it and lose it from the stalls and it takes a lot of jockeyship. All right, the Chester Cup is the feature handicap of the week. James Fanshawe's novel legend has missed the cut by six. Will he run in the consolation race that concludes the card on Friday? This is what the trainer had to say. Uh, yes, yeah, pretty sure to run it. Unfortunately, it's quite late on in the race and we're just, you know, um, how the ground will be by then. It depends, I think, where the rain's hit. But, um, you know, he likes to cut on the ground. It depends how, sort of, um, how, uh, how, how the course takes it. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that he hasn't got in, how excited are you about this horse uh, as the season progresses? H- how good do you think he could end up being? Well, it's difficult to say, um, Nick, because he's a typical sort of Nathaniel. He stays and he's, you know, he likes some juice in the ground, but he doesn't give you much of a clue at home. Um, all the, you know, I think he's looking at him physically. He's turned inside out. He's got stronger. And, um, you know, and, and obviously he, he, he likes sort of... Um, um, a test of stamina and some and some ease. So uh, when he gets those conditions, he showed at Newbury. He's pretty good. So uh, and you know, hopefully he can carry on. Um, you know, carry on improving. Uh, are you going to run fresh in the Victoria Cup on Saturday? Um, yeah, he runs the Victoria Cup. Yeah, he he loves Ascot. It's just the it's just the um, you know it's whether he's better over six or seven. But he'll have his conditions with the ground. He's really well, but he's six, and um, you know I think he t- probably takes a bit more getting fit than he has done in the past. Um, but he looks great. James Fanshawe. Now, everybody around the world now is familiar with Forte, the horse that was supposed to run in the Kentucky Derby and would have started favourite. Didn't because he was withdrawn on the morning of the race by the track veterinarians because of a bruised foot. Uh, Owner and trainer were not necessarily in agreement with that decision and they are now pointing towards the Preakness stakes. But the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission has Forte on a vets list, which means that he is... Uh, out for 14 days until he can work again and be taken off that vets list and unless that is contested and contested successfully that means he won't be able to run in the Preakness stakes that however may be the least of the connections worries because a story has appeared in the New York Times written by Joe Drape who has written extensively on horse racing and its ills particularly through the last decade You would have previously, I think, called him a critical fan of the sport or a critical friend of the sport, though his fandom and friendship of it has been increasingly uh, rarer in recent years as crisis after crisis has beset horse racing. This is a, a worrying story concerning Forte, Jane Mangan. What does it say? It does for sure. Something that not many of us were aware of. He writes, On a rainy September afternoon last year, a colt named Forte eased into the hopeful stakes, handling the sloppy um, kickback and uh, stretching on to win by a length. Shortly after leaving the winner's circle, 
Forte was given a post-race drug test, which he failed and has yet to be adjudicated before New York regulators, according to two people who are familiar with the matter, would not authorise to speak, speak about it. So we don't have any hierarchy uh, official statement, but we do know that the positive test was for a substance used to relieve pain and reduce inflammation, according to these two people. I was not aware of this. And in the months following that test, Forte went on to win his next four races, including the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in November and the Florida Derby last month. He wasn't allowed to run in the Kentucky Derby for different reasons. But this is not what we need. This is not what racing needs. After seven horses lost their lives in Churchill, this is... This is terrible stuff. A couple of people listening might be thinking, well, why wasn't this publicized and why hasn't this been uh, heard already? But there has been, America is the land of litigation. And um, it, this is due to be heard today, Wednesday, uh, but it has been delayed on a number of occasions by Todd Pletcher's um, camp. Uh, they tried to delay yesterday. They tried to delay proceedings further, but uh, that that hasn't happened. So the $165,000 purse for the hopeful stakes has not been paid out. That has been withheld. And I suppose as well, Jane, there was an inevitability about this story coming to the fore. Once a horse has tested positive, it is very unlikely that 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 is not going to enter the public domain at some point. The biggest race in America, mainstream media, and you know that this horse is going to fail. I'm not saying what they could have done, that they wouldn't have run him for that reason, but they could have maybe got ahead of the story and said, this is playing out in the background, but we believe our innocence and we believe the horse is fine. But this was always going to break, and it's, it's now... When you don't get ahead of it and when it's broken by a, a journalist who's doing his job, it sounds like you have something to hide. If you have nothing to hide and you believe your innocence, that's when you need to get ahead of the story. And this is a prime example of that. And the events of the last seven to ten days in the United States, Jane, make me very sad as, as someone who's a, a huge fan of, of the sport there. We realise that it, like a, a lot of global jurisdictions, has had its ills, its difficulties on a regulatory level, more perhaps than any other racing nation because of its inability to, to come together as one. And I think what the last couple of weeks has exposed again is this triangulation of mistrust between fans, practitioners and officials. And until that is, is broken, then I'm afraid negative situations are going to unfold on an almost daily basis. We brought you the the story with Safi Joseph and Churchill Downs last week. That is yet to be resolved. We're still waiting official results from the test of the two horses that died there. We brought you the saga surrounding whether or not Forte should have been allowed to run in the Kentucky Derby. Now this, the five further deaths in addition to the two Joseph deaths on the track last week and, and no real answers forthcoming as regards those. I think many of us will be headed to Baltimore next week for the Preakness with our our spirits and our faith in the sport badly needing a lift. Mm -hmm.
Well, a new six-part fly on the wall documentary is now available on YouTube, courtesy of Joe Tizard and his family, and the bookmakers Coral, whose PR director Simon Clare joins me now. Simon, you've been very passionate about this about this project. Um, just t- tell me a little bit about the the background to it. Yeah, I suppose Coral, in the last of eighteen months or so, it's, it's as a business, have <clears throat> decided to firmly sort of focus on horse racing. You know, it's instead of spreading itself too thinly across different sports and football, etc. Um, you know, the you know the, the team, um, you know, my team. Uh, around me, so I say, you know, Coral's got a relationship with horse racing, historic, you know, obviously long-standing sponsorships like the Eclipse and the Welsh Grand National. Um, so, all, you know, that that created the launch of the Coral Racing Club, which has now got a hundred over hundred thousand members. Um, and the opportunity, and we were working with Equine Productions anyway, with the, the great content that we're putting out on the uh, the Racing Club Hub. Um, and we realised that, you know, I suppose you know everyone's been talking about the popularity of these. Fly on the wall documentaries, drive to survive, all or nothing, etc. And and talking about how uh, horse racing would be a, a rich environment to do one. And I know Equine Productions have done horsepower, um, focusing on Andrew Balding and the the team down there. And our ambassador Joe Tizard um, and the Tizard team, uh, Joe Tizard was taking over the license from Colin. So I suppose all the stars aligned that we knew we had one opportunity if we were going to do this and then put some serious money. Into a into a sort of a, 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 a type of fly in the wall sports documentary series, it was a really natural story, and Equine Productions are obviously very enthusiastic to give it a, have another go. Um, and I, I say, given the focus on horse racing, I managed to persuade the the people who control the purse strings at Coral to put the money in, and we embarked on this journey last November. And it's uh, yeah, it's been a long ride. It certainly has. Uh, you can catch it on on YouTube now. Available on YouTube now. Uh, how, what's the What's the best way of searching it? Yeah, look, it's on the. It's, we, we've we've um, we're working with the distribution partner, of the Racing Post, uh, who are posting on the uh, Racing Post uh, YouTube channel, um, and it's also on the Coral Racing Club YouTube channel. So it's basically available on two uh, different YouTube sites. Naturally, I would prefer you to go to the Coral Racing Club uh, channel first, but if you go to the Racing Post, well, that's absolutely fine. There are partners in this, but uh, it's available on both. And the great thing with YouTube now is you can sort of obviously you can if you've got uh, smart TVs, you can go to the apps and you can put you go to YouTube and you can call it up and watch it on the TV. So you're not restricted to watching it on your laptop top or your mobile but if you if that's the best way to to do it you can so it's free to so effectively it's easily easily accessible free to view as long as you've got an internet connection and um, and hopefully people enjoy it six parts the first four parts are 20 minutes long november december january and february focusing around the big uh, races in those periods and then we have a half hour special on cheltenham and then i think it's a 25 minute uh, episode on atrium and uh, and they've turned it around really quick from, from a couple of weeks ago at Aintree, and it's available to view now. Now, Simon, you are now a Cheltenham owner, winning owner yourself. I, I, <laughs> although I was in Kentucky last week, I couldn't help spotting that the famous Simon Clare colours were carried to victory by Paloma Blue in the Hunter Chase yeah. last week. I mean, what kind of a thrill was that? I mean, it, genuinely, Nick, it was, it, was, um, it was probably one of the best racing experiences of my life, actually. Because I suppose, I suppose, you know, I mean, I've been very lucky with my, with my, with my job very lucky to have had 30 years of being around great race meetings and being at the Cheltenham Festival and, you know, I've had shares in horses. I've had a few winners at the tracks like sort of Plumpton and I've had one at Kempton, which is great with Nosich. But, you know, you always, you always think about, I suppose, like any sport, you think, God, what it, one day could my colours be carried to victory at Cheltenham or some one of the major, major race meetings? And there isn't anyone, you know, there isn't a better, better track than Cheltenham. So, yeah, I didn't, I never thought it would happen. And it's actually part, not, not, it's actually linked to the, to the, um, 
the content series because Steph Jones, who was the director of uh, Taking the Reins, it was her idea last year at Goodwood. She said she, they bought this horse, Paloma Blue, from Henry de Bromet's yard with her sister Kaylee. Um, and they were looking, they actually were looking to get put together a girls' syndicate. So although it carried my colours, I actually bought the share for my daughter Eloise, who's 17, and she was with me on Friday and uh, has been been to the point to point a couple of times when Paloma Blue's won. So, um, yeah, to be there with my daughter, Eloise led the horse in. I sort of filmed her leading it in. It was getting very dark. They, they were, you know, I was very proud to have my colours carried by Josh Newman. It was brilliant. I mean, honestly, such a thrill and, yeah, never to be forgotten. Simon Clare, the PR director at Coral. Now let's head to Hong Kong and J.A. McGrath. Nick, it's one of those unusual weeks in Hong Kong. We've got a Sha Tin meeting on the all-weather, or the dirt as they like to call it there. Uh, it's uh, an eight-race card and it's very challenging because there's been a lot of rain in Hong Kong in the last week or so. And that, of course, makes it difficult to just gauge what sort of a, an all-weather track you're going to get. If we get the conventional one, then I think the, uh, the all-weather specialist should come to the fore. If it's sloppy, then that's another thing. I thought the best on the program was race six, number five, Gummy Gummy, trained by Ben O'Young and ridden by Zach Purton. This horse was second in his last two starts. Uh, one of them on a, a wet, slow, all-weather surface, so I suppose that's a pointer. And uh, I think he can go one better here. So race six, number five, Gummy Gummy. The danger is number nine, Everyone's Victory, ridden by Vincent Ho, who's absolutely on fire at the moment. After his uh, great triumph with Golden 60, he came out and won the Queen Mother uh, Memorial Cup last Sunday at Sha Tin aboard Straight Aron, and that was a fine win indeed. Later on in the card, I think Purton can come to the fore again in uh, race seven, number eight, Maldives. Uh, it's uh, certainly a horse who's drawn wide, but I think can overcome that and can be uh, going on to score at quite a good price. And in the finale, race eight, number nine, handsome 12 to win for Jerry Chow and also for Benno Jung. So it could be, could be a good day for Benno, gummy, gummy and handsome 12 in the last. That's all on the Hong Kong beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. All right, thanks to Jim. Thanks to all my guests today. Jane is here with a tip for you. Yes, I'm staying close to home. The 3.05 here in Gorn Park is a Phillies handicap over a mile, and I like Esculenta. Second run for Ray Cody, Dylan Brown, McMonagall on for Ballygallan Stud. Second last time. I hope she can go one better in the 3.05 this afternoon. All right, Jane, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, May the 10th. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.